Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Tonight, we are covering Exodus 19, coming to Mount Sinai. So what's transpired? Well, it's been three months since the actual exodus. And before that, we had the plagues. And then there's the exodus itself. There's crossing the Red Sea. There are two occasions where God miraculously provides uh, water. In the first, the first place, providing, uh, making it drinkable. And in the second, water from a rock. And then providing manna and quail so you get your carbs and your protein. And this nation of slaves gets in an actual battle with a group of people who have been in battles before, and they win. Well, God's with them, but they win. And now we're at Mount Sinai. They traveled from Rephidim to Mount Sinai, but it really wasn't that far. It's just a short distance, but it was long enough. This chapter is not very long, and there's not a whole lot that, ha- that happens in it. Usually I'd try to go into the next chapter, but the next chapter begins with the Ten Commandments, so I'm not going to do that. So this may end up being uh, a shorter time tonight. But I thought I'd put something in here that is of interest and is in line with what's taught here in Calvary Chapels, not only here, but in other Calvary Chapels, um, and that is uh, the dispensations, because we're coming to a new one. Uh, Dispensations are just um, ages or eras, periods of time where God deals with man in a particular way. He will maybe make a covenant with them, a commitment to do certain things for them. He may require certain things for man to do in these covenants, or he may do it unilaterally where he's going to say what he's going to do and not require anything. That happened with Abraham. If you take all of the dispensations that we see, and which is really a way of dividing history and how God is dealing with man, um, I have seven, but there other people have other numbers. Um, uh, it's a way of looking at scripture called dispensationalism, which is actually it's consistent with pretty much any Calvary chapel. It's part of what makes us Calvary chapels, although many other churches teach the same thing. Okay, it's it's in with the idea of um, the. Pre-tribulational uh, rapture, and then um, a tribulation, and then Jesus coming back, and then the millennial kingdom. Uh, it's also related to, you may have heard people talking about how we don't believe in replacement theology, that uh, the children of Israel um, are not replaced by the church. Okay, that 
It's all related here. And part of that is these dispensations, these periods of time, and we're going to go from um, the one that we've been in to a brand new one. Um, and again, I, I said that the different people have different numbers because not everyone agrees that how many dispensations there are because it's really a, it, it can, it's a subjective thing and we're human beings. And this isn't scripture we're talking about. It's a way of looking at scripture. So it's going to be imperfect because we're imperfect. But I, I went with the classical dispensational number of, and that's seven, which is also a divine number. First one's dispensation of innocence. That's where you have Adam, Eve, a garden, naming animals, tending the garden, and not eating the fruit of that one tree. They had one big job. Don't eat the fruit of that one tree. And they did it. And so ended the dispensation of innocence. We go to the dispensation of conscience. Adam and Eve, not in the garden anymore. Adam has to till the soil. He's not getting the results that he got in the garden, that's for sure. Eve has pain in childbirth. They have a custom now of, of animal sacrifice. And the first one to, to perform the sacrifice, in a way, was God himself when he clothed Adam and Eve after their sin by killing two animals and giving them their skin. But conscience also, because God wanted man to do good with each other. That didn't always work out, Cain and Abel. And ultimately, it really didn't work out because mankind became so evil that the Lord brought a flood to the earth, and that ended the dispensation of conscience, and you get to the dispensation of human government because after the flood, you've got Noah and his family, and God says to Noah, subdue the land, be fruitful, multiply, you can eat animals, you have dominion over the land, and people started to multiply, and then they started to go into cities and have governments for cities, and it's during this time that you get the Tower of Babel that happens. And... It ended, though, with God coming to one man, Abraham, and telling him, from you and your wife, Sarah, there are going to be people, more people than stars in the sky, than the sand on the beach or on the desert. And through you, Abraham and Sarah, all nations will be blessed. And then he repeated the same promise to Isaac, the one child that Abraham and Sarah had. And it was repeated to Jacob. And eventually Jacob and his family, they came to Egypt where they lived. And the family became a people, a lot of people. And that's where we come in with the enslavement of the children of Israel, the um, Moses coming to tell the uh, Pharaoh to let his people go, and then the plagues, then the Exodus. 
And now here, Mount Sinai, things are going to change. It's going to be different. Because here is where God is going to give his law. It's going to encompass moral law. It's going to encompass religious law. It's going to encompass civil law. There are going to be some things in it that that we still do today. There are going to be other things that we no longer have to do. And so as we go through these, we're going to keep that in mind because there are some things here that don't apply to us and there are things that do. And I think it's, it's, it's straightforward to, to know which is which. And this dispensation that we're starting actually lasts until Jesus Christ, who fulfills the law, lives a perfect life, dies for our sin. So if we trust and believe... We have newness of life. We have forgiveness of sin. And with the ascension of Christ, it's the dispensation of grace or, or what we call the church age, which is what we're in right now. And then the age that's left is the kingdom age that happens, starts after the rapture of the church and after the tribulation and Jesus returns to earth and initiates with his second coming a millennial kingdom. So those are the dispensations. You may see a list that has eight. You may see a list that has six. It's okay. You also may know Christians who don't believe in any of this stuff, and they don't believe in dispensationalism, and they don't believe in a rapture. Uh, They can still be Christians who love Jesus and want to preach his gospel and want to disciple believers, and it's okay. Um, but in our church, this is what we believe. And it's an underpinning of all the teaching that happens. It's consistent with anybody who gets up here. And I thought it was appropriate to go through those because we are at a pivot point from one dispensation to another. And again, the map, just to see where we are, Mount Sinai. And now we'll begin with Exodus 19. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim and come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. These are the words which you will speak to the children of Israel. So, covenant. What covenant? Well, the covenant is about to be explained. That's the covenant that God is talking about. This new covenant that God will be telling Moses and Moses will teach to the people. And he's giving the people something to do. You can see where it says, if you indeed will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you will be a special treasure to me above all people, 
for all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. Well, if you've got a kingdom of priests, who are you serving? Can't really serve each other, can you? Can priests aren't priests to each other? I mean, maybe sometimes, but not all the time. Oh, no. The rest of the world. That was part of the original mandate, right here, for the children of Israel to go and be priests to the nations. And spoiler alert, it didn't happen. They started to pick up worship of the gods in lands that they traveled into and people that they lived among. They picked up the worship of large nations that uh, were threatening them. They picked up the worship sometimes of countries, of nations that they had conquered. It happened on one occasion. It was, um, it was Moab, they, or is it Edom? One of the two. But the, the king came back with their god and started worshiping him, even though the Lord had caused his army to, be, to win and to conquer. It didn't make sense. But uh, that was the history, but that's not what they were called to do. They were called to teach the people around them. They were called to be something special, to tell the other people about this one God, and that's not what happened. But that's how it began. And the idea of a kingdom of priests and a holy nation that's something that is consistent because God is, if nothing else, consistent. And he is many other things other than consistent. But we have the same mandate. In First Peter 2, 4 and 5, it says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you, as living stones, are being built up in a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. So in one way, we all of our, we're like a house, and that's, that's something that um, comes up in, in, in the Corinthian epistles. Okay, But we're also, ourselves, all of us, as a group, a priesthood, to tell the people around us and to live the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And and 1 Peter goes on. It's a few verses later, but and this is the more familiar section, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Remember he said something like that in, in, in Exodus just a few slides ago? about being a special, being special, being a, a priesthood? Well, here we are, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So the, Egypt, uh, the children of Israel were called out of Egypt, born on, like born on eagles' wings, right? We are born out of our lives of darkness and sin, into his wonderful light. And we are, whether we like it or not, and I hope we like it, a royal priesthood. Anybody who has trusted in Christ as a member of that chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation. 
So we continue in Exodus with uh, verse 7. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord had commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Continuing in verse 10, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go tell the people, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around saying, take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day, and do not come near your wives. And then that very last part, I'll get to that. But let's, I want to deal with some other things further on up. This nation of slaves who don't know anything about the worship of one true God. The, maybe what they remembered from the very simple worship that was done in the time of Abraham, but they lived in Egypt where you had these pantheon of gods, a god for pretty much everything, and all these different ways to worship gods and all these different kinds of priests and rituals and ceremony. How do you worship a true God? Well, the Lord gives Moses instructions for them to do some simple things. To wash their clothes. Which, back then, if everyone's washing their clothes, it could take a couple days. And all that time, people are thinking about why they're doing it. They're preparing themselves. Pastor Paul led us in some songs. And a lot of the songs had to do, a lot of the lyrics had to do with uh, preparing our hearts. And and I'm thinking to myself, well, Lord, you know, I certainly didn't tell Pastor Paul what I was talking about. It fit in perfectly. Um, And so you can prepare your heart like we sang, right? And actually, I do that too. Sometimes I'll, I'll play music and sing along. Sometimes I'll listen. Often when I'm coming to church, I do that because it helps me be in the right frame of mind. Sometimes I'll pray a little bit or, or do, you know, before I'm going to read the Bible or listen to the Bible because I sometimes listen to the Bible instead of reading it. And, and if you, haven't, you may want to try it because um, it um, turns out it's really helpful and, and there's an app for that. If you've got a smartphone, you can listen to the Bible a little bit every day. Um, but here, they're giving them some washing their clothes. 
and some instructions about not coming to the mountain, not going near the mountain. You can come near when I tell you to, but even then you can't touch the mountain. God's starting to teach them ideas of holiness in, in the same way that washing the clothes is sort of like a lesson in consecration. Um, not touching the mountain is sort of like, well, here, I'm going to start teaching you in simple ways what holiness is. Let's start with this mountain. I'm going to be on this mountain. Don't come near the mountain until I tell you to, and even when you're near, don't touch it. Um, I prefer singing. Don't you? Yeah. But the last part, it's like, be ready for the third day and do not come near your wives. So anybody who was married, they had something additional. They had to refrain from marital relations. And then whenever they were refraining, (laughs) they thought about the reason why. Um, This is not a unique idea in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 7, 4 to 6, it says, Do not deprive one another, this is to married couples, except uh, with the consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So you can see here Paul's talking about married couples may choose together, not one of them, but both of them, to refrain from marital relations and... um, Use that time um, to to, uh, pray, to fast if they want to fast, um, but only for a limited period of time, which is what happened in Exodus. So, again, God is consistent. He's consistent with what he has us do, and in office, he's consistent with why he wants us to do it. Continuing in Exodus 19, um, at verse 16, Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Sinai was completely completely in smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. And then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai, on top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And, and I don't know why, but I, I went, my mind went to the Lord of the Rings and Mount Mordor. Even though this isn't evil, this is good. It's sort of like a good Mount Mordor. So you get the mountain, then you get the fire, then you get the smoke. And that had to be a huge spectacle. Indeed, These are people who, before this happened, they got there, and yeah, they saw a mountain. They didn't see anything special, a lot of rock. But God's doing something special here. And I don't know that any of the people there wanted to get too near to that mountain with all the fire and the smoke. I don't know that I would. 
I might be more like, yeah, tell me how it goes. I can see the smoke from here. Continuing with verse 21, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. So let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. Then Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up the Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Away, get down and come up, you and Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through and come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. So I guess there were at least some people who, maybe they were scared, but they wanted to see more. Ever seen that? Would something really... Major happens, there are some people who run away, and then there are some people who run toward it, and they want to have a closer look. I, I'm, I'm in the runaway category, but there are some people who want to run forward, and God didn't want them to forget themselves and get too close, because if they did, they wouldn't have to worry about a rock or an arrow, that they would die because they saw God. And it wasn't just the, um, the people in general, it was also the priests. Isn't that kind of funny to read that? Because in the New Testament, God's not like that with us. We can come to him, we can talk to him. In the, in the New Testament, God is spoken of like uh, that we can call him father, we can call him daddy, that... Um, we have a promise that we will one day, in, in, in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, someday we're going to see him face to face. And even now, we, we, I don't pray in fear. I don't think that we should pray in fear. I don't, hopefully you don't pray in fear. We pray in confidence. They weren't ready for that. They needed to first and foremost understand that there was a God that needed to be feared you would think, okay, there are all those plagues, there's the Red Sea, there's the other miracles. You would think after a short amount of time and all these things happening that they'd get the point? No. Apparently enough of them did not get the point. The God is still spelling things out to them, but he's being patient. He wants them to prepare their hearts for what's coming. It's going to be a big change. It's a nation of slaves. It's a nation of people who don't understand anything about anything. And God's going to use Moses, use some other people. He's going to teach him his, 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 his word. He's going to give him promises. And if they trust him, they're going to be successful. They're not just going to be a group of slaves that are running away. They're going to become a nation, a nation with their own land, a nation... Um, that um, is special, his own nation. They have that opportunity. Um, but we, we, we already are part of, if, if you're in Christ, you're part of that nation right now. So, 
Take the opportunities that come up to prepare your heart before trying to listen to God. You don't have to wash your clothes. You might sing a song. Prepare your heart. At least we don't have to worry about uh, getting too close to God. God wants us to get closer to Him. So, let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.